0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on week one of Vision Month.
1: So, again, it is Vision Month, and uh, this is our vision statement. It's very complicated. Okay, we thought if we make it really complicated, nobody will be able to do it. And then we could always beat you up for not being good enough. No, (laughs) no. We want to make it really simple where everybody can do it and you can uh, function with a body of believers and be successful in it. So we want to make it very simple. Our desire and our vision is to raise up disciples who love God, love people, and live truth. Love God, love people, and live truth. So over the next three weeks, we're going to jump into these Two word statements, and there was this thing several years ago, real big on whether it's your vision statement or your mission statement. When I was in school a lot of years ago in college, at Lee, we really focused on all this making sure you have the right vision and mission statement, and all that stuff. And really, I didn't know what all that meant. I mean, why we need to have all this stuff written down, but. This is our vision statement. Here's what it is. The vision is like the overall snapshot. Like if we had a vision statement for a battle, we'd be like we want to take over their base and put our flag there. That's our vision statement, our snapshot. So a snapshot of what we want to do as a body is raise up disciples to love God, love people, and live truth. Now, you got to take down your you got to break down your vision statement into your mission, okay? And so our mission is how we're going to accomplish that vision. So how we're going to accomplish raising up disciples that love God, love people, and live truth, that's what we're going to talk to you about over the next few weeks. And so today, um, we thought we would start with live truth. I'm kidding. We thought we'd start at the start. So... (laughs) Shahan got tore up down here. What's wrong with you people questioning me today? What? No. Huh? None of our videos go with that. Nothing works with that, Michael. So we're going to start at the beginning because we like to do that because we're not dyslexic. We go left to right, okay? And so I even heard somewhere that if you read it, that helps you understand it if you see a picture it reiterates it even more thus these glorious stick figures that i've made all right so love god is this guy worshiping the lord all right how complicated is that um, what's his name tim tim hawkins goes through all the different styles of worship okay you go to church and you got like foot uh, go, touchdown, you got like, I don't know what all they are, but I caught a fish this big, you know, some you start out like this, I don't remember what this one was, but there's all these different carry the TV, you know, some people worship like this. So we just want people like extreme, and you gotta do your legs too, because that's what the stick figure does. So you're not really worshiping if I don't see you like this on Sundays. And some people said we don't judge your worship in some of these videos. I don't know why, because ju- I've been looking. I'm watching. <laughs> if you don't do this, you, you, you ain't serious. You playing around. And uh, love people, we already made you do it today. We made you touch that person beside you, even if they smell bad. We just made you do it, right? And so you got to do your legs too, though. <laughs> so it's like a Broadway musical. Now, you know, you got to do all this to him. And then to live truth, you have to carry your Bible everywhere you go and hold it open with your legs spread like this, okay? And your elbows out. So this is how, it's pretty simple religion, but we're, we're working on getting everybody on board. I would say all kidding aside, but there'll probably be more of it. So we'll just leave it here in the middle. And keep doing it. but So, Habakkuk 2 and 2 says, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. Now, I kind of have a little problem with that. Not to question the Bible, but if we give you tablets, you can't run. <laughs> I can't run without tablets. Never mind carrying tablets. Can you see Moses running down the mountain with the tablets? No, you can't run with tablets. So, we put it on the screen. Thank God for technology, right? We'd be still trying to type that in. Type it in. Tablets. I'd have to borrow some of Paul's stones from his fireplace. (laughs) In the message, I love it. It says, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. The point is... If we have a vision, if we want to communicate it to where we can really be moving forward while we accomplish something for the kingdom, it's got to be simple, it's got to be able to be comprehended, and we got to communicate it clearly so that you can read it while you run. We don't want you to have to stop running every day to come back and check our rule book and see if you're doing it right. We want you to love God and run with it, right? We want you to love people and run with it. We want you to live truth. And run with it. So, one of our core beliefs here is that our passion and love for God will be directly proportionate to our revelation of His passion and love for us. Our love for God will be directly proportionate to our revelation of His love for us. When we tell people, Man, you don't love God. You got to love God more. You got to love God more. You need to get your life right. You don't love God. You don't love God. They can't love God because they're blinded to how God loves them. People need a revelation of how God feels about them, and that will they'll be left with no other reasonable response but to love him. And so we believe as a body that one of our core Uh, uh, assignments is to disarm and dismantle i'll read it to you exactly how we say it rlc removes misconceptions about god that prevent us from connecting with his heart so our desire is to remove misconceptions about god that keep us from connecting with him because if people will connect with god his eyes will melt their heart and they'll have no other choice but to love Him. And if they don't, if he, if they don't know how He loves them, they'll, even if they modify their behavior, even if we can convince them to modify their behavior, if we can scare them in to modifying their behavior, if we can make them afraid enough of the judgment of God to modify their behavior, they still won't be connected to His heart. They'll just be slaves running around trying to do enough stuff to earn his favor. And we could never do enough stuff. There's no one good. Not one. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. On our best day, we must still throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and receive his mercy. And so we can't do anything to earn His love. And people have to know that. We're not a church that is interested in modifying people's behavior. Beating them into submission. Grading them on how well they're doing. How well they're doing is how much they feel loved by God. Everything else is going to line up with that. And so we have to be a church that displays and communicates and reiterates that God loves people. Yeah. Yeah. And his heart is for them. Proverbs 29:18 says, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation, in the amplified version, it says, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. You can't survive without a redemptive revelation of God. And look, but he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. You see the correlation? People that don't have a redemptive revelation of God perish, but those that keep the law. See, but these other people that have a redemptive revelation of God will in turn honor God with their lives and they'll be happy. Okay? And so you can't do it outside of that. Let's go way back to Genesis chapter 3. Say, uh uh-oh. Genesis chapter three. That's where it all began. All our woes started in Genesis chapter three. Here we're gonna hear from some other people in just a few minutes. I'm super stoked about that. It's one thing for me to believe our vision. It's one thing for me to think we're doing it or accomplishing it, or a handful of people to think that, but we have are trying over the next three weeks to get your input to go out and find if what we're trying to accomplish is actually working. Genesis chapter 3, start in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. Pretty simple. Verse 4 The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. That's a lie, right? For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave it also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. So here's the deal. Sin is the solution. I thought, I think about preaching a sermon. Sin is the solution. How well would that go over? Sin is the solution. Woo! Yeah! I'm going to that church. Sin is the solution. Okay? Sin is the solution. To a problem that doesn't exist. Sin is the solution to a problem that doesn't exist. People that are looking for an answer to a question that should already be answered will find a way to answer that question. People who are looking for a solution to a problem that doesn't exist will find the solution in sin. See, look... When the serpent said, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I believe that every moment before that moment, when Eve walked past that tree in the middle of the garden, she said, meh. I see the emoji. Anybody seen the emoji movie? (laughs) Meh. 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 Man, it probably was just so in their process that they did not even acknowledge the tree. They're walking with God in the cool of the day. They're enjoying all the fullness of relationship with the Father. There's this tree in the middle of the garden. Who cares about the tree in the middle of the garden? I don't think they sat around day in and day out. Oh, my goodness, look at that tree. If we could just eat that tree. It says that when she saw the tree was good to eat, she ate. She never saw the tree was good to eat until the serpent told her that God was a liar. Once once the serpent told her God was a liar and he doesn't love you and he wants to keep good things from you, then the tree started looking good. So sin was a solution to a problem of having a father that doesn't love you. It was a made-up problem that didn't exist. And if anybody is involved in sin, it's not because they don't love God enough. It's because they don't know that God loves them. The tree never looks good. Destructive life choices don't look good. No one sits around as a child and says, Man, I can't wait till I can drive so I can go get some crack <laughs> and ruin my life. No one says that. At some point in their life, they begin to believe that they don't have a father that loves them and created them with a purpose and with a reason. And so they start searching for something to make sense, for something to bring fulfillment, and they end up in sin. But no one chooses sin unless they don't believe the father loves them. Look at 2 Corinthians 11:3, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Look at 1 John 2:15. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, we've always said it like, man, if you love the world, then the Father doesn't love you. I'm saying if you love the world, that's evidence that you do not have, that you have not received, you have not believed, you have not allowed into yourself the love of God to come in and consume your life and push out every desire for every other thing. If you love the world, it's because the love of the Father is not in you. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. Lies will distract you. People will try to lead you off. Religion will try to lead you off. People with seemingly the best of intentions will still put a yoke on you that will push you away from God rather than draw you to God. And so our goal here is to dismantle those lies to remove those misconceptions. And I want you to hear from some folks.
2: I always felt like there was more to God than just this um, supreme being that had the checklist for me to follow. Um, I I had always um, felt like there could be a more personal connection there, Um, and it's one that um, I think Redemption Life Church has just not open my eyes to it but reinforce that idea um, to me in every service and in everything that we do that um, church is just more than um, you know coming together for a couple of hours and and going our separate ways and doing life alone so um, that's been really awesome for me
3: one of the things that i think that we noticed the most when we started at redemption was what a life-giving body it was i mean just everything from people that greeted you to the music and the worship and the sermons and I think it all just felt very welcoming and very life-giving, something that um, was drawing us to the Father versus something that maybe a religious experience might feel like you have to check so many boxes or do so many different things to be able to get to God.
4: So my previous religious experiences were very I guess, close-minded, and I think when, like my family, they are not religious, they don't ever talk about God, and it's because they view God as someone who is very, um, someone that you can't reach, you can never attain God, you can never be good enough to even talk about God, you know, he's someone that's just far off, a far off concept, and RLC really brings him to the people, like, we are right here with God, like God is with us all the time wherever we are. He is approachable, he is welcoming, he is here, and I think that that is the best part about RLC is that that they just really emphasize that God is here with us, he loves us, and he's, he's not some far off thing that you can't ever touch.
3: Previously we were in a Baptist church and it was um you didn't feel the love of God when you walked through the doors. Um and all the people, the body of the church was all hugging and you know, everybody was friendly, loving. But it's like when you walk into R L C you feel love, you feel the presence of God, you feel everything and I want to I want to worship on Sundays, I want to praise, I want to I never have wanted to stand up and praise and, I mean,
4: it's it's amazing. Illuminate showed me that when I would think about God, I always felt pressured that I would do something wrong and change my focus, but Illuminate showed me that He is always there and no matter how many times I mess up, He's still going to love me.
1: So that's what we're trying to accomplish. I know there's many, many more testimonies and many more stories, and we're going to keep trying to find those stories over the coming weeks. And um, so we exist to remove misconceptions about God that prevent us from connecting to His heart. And so we want to remove those things, remove those, bound those borders, those walls, those things, and then we want to host. Um, We're shaping encounters that reveal true identity as sons and daughters. It's one thing maybe for misconceptions to be removed, um, but you need to replace it (coughs) with truth. And so it's one thing to disarm those things and try to let you know that God loves you and cares for you, but we need to go further than that and let it continue to shape our identity. You know, James 1, 14 and 15 says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings death. And so that's what happens. That's what draws us into sin, the lies about God. But here's what we want to do in these life-giving, worshiping shaping encounters, we want to display the love of God in such a way that it entices people to Him. So if you rewrite, I'm not rewriting the Bible, but if you rewrite James chapter 1 and you kind of switch things around, obviously the adversary's intent is to carry us away by our own lust and then lust conceives and gives birth to sin and when sin is accomplished it gives birth to death but there has to be a way that we overcome that so if we rewrite that but each one is attracted when he is carried away and enticed by God's love then when love has conceived it gives birth to obedience And when obedience is accomplished, it brings forth life. And so we want to have worshiping encounters that just causes people to get carried away and enticed by the love of God. And that love of God would be received in them. And when they receive the love of God, it will conceive in them obedience. What will be produced in their life will be obedience. And it will give birth to life. The end result will be life. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of His glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with His divine might and explosive power. Yeah. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of Of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends. Our understanding, this extravagant love pours into you until you're filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. 1 Peter 1, says, As God's obedient children never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, you are to be holy because I am holy. You know, you become what you worship. If you set your gaze on the holiness of God, His complete and lacking nothingness, that's what you will become. You know, when He says you are to be holy... For I am holy. I've talked about this many times. But that's a call. That's a command. And it's a charge. It's a promise. We look at it as like, oh man, don't tell me to be holy. No, he's saying you will be holy because I am holy and I'm your father. And if you call me father, you will display my love in your life and it will cause you to walk in fullness, completeness. Lacking nothingness. And so we have to establish that knowledge, that revelation of who we are in him. And that is through worship. Hosting these worth shaping. You know, that's what worship means, worth shaping. And so when we encounter him and when we worship him and we we declare who he is, it informs us of who we are. You can't sit around and sing about the greatness of God, the fullness of God, the overwhelming love of God without it changing you and transforming you. We don't want to just be conformed. We don't want to just have modified behavior, but we want to be transformed by the love of God. Show that other video, will you?
0: You've heard the term so many times through Pastor Michael say, be transformed, not conformed. And I can truly say a transformation has taken place because my walk has been different. I used to walk to my footsteps. I used to sit, I used to take a place to sit at a bar. And that's, that's where my life was, was at was an addiction standpoint, an alcoholic. And becoming a member of this church and finding out who I am, who he says I am, and what my purpose is, has shown me about walks are no longer my walks. They are footsteps. Walking where he wants me to, following his footsteps. And no longer taking a seat at a bar, but more trading my seat at a table.
4: When I joined Illuminate, I didn't understand being a daughter. But after three years, I understood that God has loved me the entire time since I was born. And before that, that I am his daughter and everything he does is for me. He sent
3: me and Jim a text. I'm going to cry. And he said, um, oh gosh. He said, I feel safe and I feel loved. Aren't you proud and aren't you happy? Like his first week at redemption.
4: That's
1: amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Hey,
3: Bring tears to your eyes. Absolutely. That's the
1: only way they make me cry is by you crying. That's yeah. the only way I cry in this world.
2: <laughs> far as um, one of the most powerful times that I feel like I've had was just um, a time at the um, New Year's uh, Eve. Not a worship that we had. The um, I think it ran all day. It was like 12 hours of worship. Um, but we we came up and I had decided that um, I just you know I, I brought a notebook with me. I'm not a journaler, but I was going to sit down and write some things out on paper and. Um, when we got to the church it was just a time where um hannah was up playing uh, the violin and just played and as i just sat there and listened i just felt like god was speaking to me um almost audibly i guess I, i mean i couldn't you know couldn't hear an audible voice but it felt very real to me um and just challenged me as a husband and as a dad, um, to really um, just be there for my family and encourage them and whatever they dream to be. Um, be there for my wife and make sure that I take the time some, you know, to ask her, um, "Am I hitting the marks that I need to hit for you? Are there areas where I could support you?" More? And the same thing for my kids, and those are things that I'm still challenged with every day. Because um, honestly, I, I probably miss it more than I make it. So, but it's it that's still a time to me that was um, really huge um, for for my time at Redemption Life was was during that New Year's Eve. I
4: remember the first time I came to RLC, um, the pastor Michael, he he looked straight at me during one of the sermons, and it was just happenstance, I guess, that he happened to look over at me, and we just locked eyes, and he, he said, um, you will be his daughter, and he will be your father. And I will never forget that. Um, I, I think that I encounter God so much more when I'm connected to so many loving people, because they, they embody God's love.
1: Ashley, is Ashley here? I'll just tell you that wasn't a coincidence. <laughs> and I'll never forget that day. I don't know if I've ever been interrupted like that before or since. Just right in the middle of that sermon. And I did just catch your eye, man, and that's what God said. You will be, Amen. Amen. Galatians 2 20 my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives for the nails of his cross crucified me with him and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me we live in union as one my life is empowered by the faith of the son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. I thought those videos were so powerful because when we talk about these hosting these worship encounters, um, so many times we judge a worship encounter by the exuberance of the people in the room, of how powerful it was. Man, we had a great worship encounter today, man. People were just so enthusiastic, they were just running around and doing all kinds of stuff. I've seen so many things on social media that have left me wondering what happened that day in that church because all I knew is where everybody ended up at the end, what position they were in. You know, it's like a tally. Five people in the floor, three people in the back, seven (laughs) people under a pew, six people ran outside, you know. And it's like, that's all awesome. But what, took, what changed? Those are all outward expressions, but what happened to their identity? What happened to who they were? Where they changed? Where they transformed? So I thought it was so powerful that you can't judge a worship encounter by a man sitting in the back while someone's playing a violin. You don't know what type of transformation is taking place in that moment. When God's telling them to be a better father and be a better husband and make transformation in your life, you never know what's taking place. But we have to be faithful to host those encounters, to host the presence of God, to invite the presence of God, to send up a fragrance to His that is such sweet savor to His nostrils. We want to be a church that worship and host those encounters so that lives can be transformed. And so in those encounters, we provoke, number three, provoke connection with God on a spirit, soul, and body level. We hope that we provoke you. We hope that we provoke you. As much as we want everyone to be comfortable in whatever worship expression you do, We don't hope to provoke you to do it the way we want you to do it. We hope to provoke you to have your worth shaped by Him. Whatever that looks like in your life, whatever transformation that needs to take place, but we believe that there's times that that is marked by you physically making a transition in your body. We want you to worship in spirit, soul, and... And body, Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4. She said, man, are people supposed to worship over here? Are people supposed to worship over here? Going back to Tim Hawkins, are people supposed to worship like this? Are they supposed to worship like this? Are they supposed to worship like this? Are this? Are they supposed to worship like this? Or are they supposed to lay on the floor like those weird people do in the church, you know? And you see them do that. Danielle raised her hand. Yeah, she's weird. How are we supposed to worship? And Jesus said, the time is coming and even now is. You know what that means? Talks confusing sometimes, I know. It's coming and it now is. That means it's now. It's coming and it now is. What he means is, it's coming because you don't know it yet, but it's already here and you'll reveal it. That's how a lot of things are in our life. It's coming and here at the same time because it's already here, but it's only coming because you hadn't hadn't realized it yet. So he said the time is coming, and now is, and and he's just watching her like, it's coming. And then by the end of their conversation, he's like, yeah, it was here. See, you got it. When she left their conversation ran through the streets telling everybody about the man that she met and how he knew everything about their life, surely he is the son of God. You know, it happened. But he said, surely it's coming and now is that it won't matter if you're on that mountain or if you're in this position or this position or this position or this position don't matter if you're doing the Pharaoh. It don't matter if you're doing the Cupid Shuffle. It don't matter what you're doing, right? It's going to matter whether or not you bring your spirit. It's going to matter whether or not you worship in truth, which is unhiddenness. It's going to matter whether you sit there and sing songs and completely ignore the reality of your current situation and you never bring it into the worship expression and you start declaring what you're declaring with everybody in the song and you start letting that declaration inform your current situation. That's truth. And so you worship in spirit and in truth and so we are going to provoke you to do that and bring transformation In your life. In Romans 12. Here it is. My favorite verse. I read it to you all the time. But I want to read a different translation today. I don't think I've read before. This is the passion for Romans 12. Beloved friends. What should be our proper response. To God's marvelous mercies. What should be our proper response. To God's marvelous mercies. I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experience all all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Surrendering yourself. Another translation says, bring your body as a living sacrifice. I don't care if you do it, how you do it, but we should honor God with our body. We should honor God with all that we are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. How do you love him with all your strength without using your body? Unless you're like the Power Rangers or something. (laughs) All right? Our strength is in our body, so we love God, and we honor him with our strength. I don't know what it may look like. I know if a king walked in the room, we would honor that king with our legs because we'd stand. Yeah. Now, if a king walked in the room, we'd honor God. with Maybe we would honor him by bowing down. I've talked recently about the uplifted hand. Do you know that when you lift your hand up, God lifted his hand up with Abraham? And it says, Abraham and God made a covenant. And when God could swear by nothing greater, he had to swear by himself. And so we see that when we're making declarations about who God is, as we did today, he's our champion. Giants fall when he stands, and he comes with his hand, and he's saying, I'm your champion. Giants fall when I stand. We're coming into oath and covenant with God. We're agreeing with him. There's things that we do with our body in worship. There's things that we do with our mind and with our will and our emotions and our spirit. And so we're going to provoke you to bring all of who you are and not segregate your life, compartmentalize your life, but bring everything to Him. Isaiah 6 5 says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone and ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of. Of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Look at Romans 2 4. Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of His extravagant kindness—extravagant kindness—is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? I'll throw that last one.
3: I just feel more free to um, show my affection, which translates to me as. Sharing the Holy Spirit, and that I think is underemphasized by most churches. That when we re- receive Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit enters us, and church gives us an opportunity to recognize the Holy Spirit in each other. And it's such a joyful thing to do that I can't resist to come back.
4: (laughs) So before coming to RLC, I didn't really worship. I didn't really know what worship was or could be. Um, I've only had a few other church experiences, but they were always very formal. You stand up, you sing what you're supposed to sing, and then you sit down. But being at RLC during worship is, I cry almost every time. It's so powerful just to to feel God in the words of the songs, and to to sing song lyrics that you don't really think about yourself until you repeat them often enough. You know, all about you are enough. God loves you as you are. And and I feel like worshiping at RLC is is powerful because it opened my eyes to what worship could be. Um, it opened my eyes to. I could dance and sing and be silly and God loves that. I love that there's
3: not a set expectation of what you should do. It doesn't have to look one way. Um, somebody can be, you know, hands in the air, somebody else can be on their knees, somebody else can be dancing, somebody can be standing there perfectly still and solemn, but everybody is having their own encounter and it's not um, It's not so rigid that... It, if it doesn't look like this, then you must not be worshiping God. Um, that it, there's really a freedom there and, and it can look different every week. So it doesn't have to be, well, I'm always the hand raiser. Or I'm always the you know quiet one. It can be different just to be able to experience God. And I don't know, really have this new revelation of him every week. And however that looks, there's not um, judgment there. And I love that.
2: Yeah and i I think that churches inadvertently sometimes to try to make people feel comfortable they set routines and they set certain ways that they're going to do things um we're going to play a we'll we'll play an introductory or introductory worship song and then everybody they can stand up for that one but after that one's over we're going to sit down and then we'll just listen to some music um and, and i think um just they probably have their correct motives in that. Um, but I don't think it's good execution of making people feel comfortable. I, I think a person, um, especially for me, um, I, I'm comfortable at redemption life during the worship time. Um, but I have always been sort of reserved in that regard. And, uh, there's never been a time where, um, I felt like there is a, um, you know, an expectation. An, an expectation there, and and that's always been um, a good thing for me because I feel like um, during that time um, where others may have, you, you know, I on the inside I may feel like uh, I may feel like dancing, but I may just be communicating that um, in a different way, um, and I think that the, having the freedom to be able to do that is really awesome.
1: Yeah. You know, we try to be intentional, even um, to make sure that we're pursuing every facet of our vision. We try to be intentional, and so we kind of label different events, and if these events don't fit into our vision, we just don't do them. That's really refreshing, by the way. And so, um, as a staff, it's been a few years ago, we looked at uh, a book called Simple Church that I had went through before, and just trying to make it not so complicated. And so, um, our Sunday worship gatherings, what we have here on Sunday, this is a love God encounter. The whole emphasis, I mean, there's some of you know, obviously we're going to tell the truth, so... It was going to affect you, living truth. And there's going to be opportunities. Um, and, and we we think living truth, um, you see under the living truth, there's your house, there's the church, and there's your workplace. And so we believe that living truth is you serving in every area of your life. And so you should, you should let the truth of God flow through you into your home. The truth of God should flow through you into your workplace. Now, we as a body... Try to um, formulate, if you will, or just find ways to help you release that serving gift. And so we have serve teams. And so you have those expressions here on Sunday morning. But the primary focus of our Sunday morning gatherings is a Love God Encounter, our worship nights, our Love God Encounters. All we're trying to do is declare the love of God to people to disarm and to tear down those misconceptions and to form identity and form purpose and let them know who they are as sons and daughters and provoke them to worship. That's what our intention is. We have life groups that are our love people expression and our serve teams that are live truth. But Psalms 22 and 3, and I'm going to close with this, says, yet you are holy... Oh you are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And you look at it in the message it says leaning back on the cushions of Israel's praise. It's been a few years ago, I just this verse just leapt out to me and I just saw it differently, but when God, when we praise, when we worship, he's enthroned on our worship it says he rests on the praises of his people, right? But I love that message translation that shows, says he leans back on the cushions of our praise. And so these encounters, and the reason we think they're so important is because we believe they position God. Not only do we want you to encounter him, but we want you to engage him so that you help us position God in a way that others will see Him different. And so our collective worship as a body, that's why even if you're not on a serve team on Sundays, even if you're not, it's important. This body, our worship expression is nothing without you. I mean, when we talk about leading worship, you can have the same worship team do the same songs, and they can do it in 10 different places, and half of them will worship, and half of them won't. And so what determines whether or not we're going to have a worship encounter in here on Sunday morning is not if Jahan and the team are anointed enough. It matters whether or not we, as the body, come into this place... Ready to encounter God. No one has to prime us up. No one has to sing our favorite song. Nobody has to do it in our favorite key. Nobody has to do all the right things. The stars don't have to perfectly align to get us to uncross our arms and to engage God. We come in here ready to encounter Him. And it's important for you so that that transformation that we talked about can happen. Because in those worship encounters, your worth is being shaped. But it also is very important that you take on responsibility as a body. It's important that all of us collectively take on the responsibility to lead worship in this house. We're not slave drivers and... Call you if you're not here on a Sunday and say, Where are you at? We're not like that. We believe there's other things that people need to do and are called to do, and you need to enjoy your family. You need to take some time off and all those things. You need to take weekends. You need to do, go camping, go hiking, go whatever. I'm going to try to start naming stuff. But you need to do things, right? Some of you may have to work. so of you, have, you know, whatever. But our attitude towards these worship encounters should have them at such a high place of value if we believe in the mission and vision of this church. Because there's going to be somebody that walks in here who needs to see God laid back on cushions, approachable, saying, come up here and sit beside me. They've seen Him in a far-off place. So these, these, these removing the misconceptions, provoking people to worship, all this stuff that we say are, is our vision, it's our vision. Yeah. You're, in, you're on our team. You provoke the person beside you to encounter God because you're going after God. And they're like, hey, that looks cool. Let me do that. And so it's so collective what we do here together. Is, is a sum of the worship of all of us together. And when we saw in Romans chapter 2, when, when we realize the wealth of his extravagant kindness is to, meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance. That's the picture I see of him. Lean back on the cushions of our worship. So approachable to someone who's broken and thinks he's far removed. They come in here and see him laid back on the couch. Man, that seems so disrespectful and irreverent and all that stuff. I don't know. I needed him to be sitting somewhere close to me so I could find him. I, couldn't have, I could not have never went off and found him on my own. If he was far removed, I was never good enough to get to him. He came somewhere to me and made himself approachable to me. And he says, come boldly into my throne. That sounds like a king who's relaxed. And says, you can come join me. And so together... This is such an awesome opportunity we have to enter into worship. Man, on our, our hot summer nights, last, we had our last one this past Friday, and we'll do some stuff in the fall. We'll have some other worship nights. But what an awesome opportunity. Never fails that when we have those encounters outside that someone just drives by or someone just shows up and just comes in. And what makes it powerful is not five people on a stage It's people encountering God. And that's what makes Him beautiful. That's what makes them realize you don't have to be on a stage to know Him. If all we've got stages and entertainers, we're in trouble. We need a body of worshipers to show people how to worship God. We need a body of worshipers to have no other reasonable response to His great mercy than to worship and to encounter Him. You stand with me today as we go. Yeah. You saw in our last video there today was it the last one or the second one? I don't remember. Uh, the first guy that spoke in that Ray, many of you know Ray, um, such a gift to us, and I, I just, um, I don't know what the content of his video was but I I, the first part of our mission is to disarm the misconceptions and I remember the first time Ray ever came we were down in the coffee shop and Ray was old school I mean big time old school right and so when he came into the coffee shop he was greeted by Blake with his hat on and I don't think he had shoes on maybe I don't remember (laughs) And um, so I think he mentioned something to Blake, tried to help him understand that he probably shouldn't wear that hat <laughs> in the coffee shop where we were worshiping. And um, then he came in and sat down, and and I just recognized the spirit. I was, and I even, I told Jahan, when we passed, I was going on the stage, and she was coming to sit down, and I said, I feel like this guy that just walked in is carrying judgment. And I'm kind of expecting him to stand up in the middle of the service and try to rebuke this body and condemn him. And that's how strong I felt it on him. And um, so I was prepared for that. And so when the worship team was going to sit down, Josh Morton, long-haired Josh Morton, who he's away at college now, but he was barefoot, I think, and had a beanie on his head or something. (laughs) And he came off the stage and walked right up to this guy. Ray, and gave him, just bear hugged him, and I was just like, what is God doing to this man, <laughs> and uh, and so then I got up, and like, I had on blue jeans, and I don't remember what I was wearing that day, and so um, he sat through the service, I didn't get a chance to speak to him, the next Sunday he showed back up, and he brought me a letter, and in that letter he just wrote, like, his journey coming in that day and how he'd encountered Blake and how he had all these ideas about Blake and how he thought it was disrespectful. And then he saw the worship leader guy come down with no shoes on and like a beanie on his head and shorts, and they were ravelly or something. And then the pastor got up there in street clothes (laughs) is what he called it. And then he said, then he started talking And saying exactly what I needed to hear. And the love of God just arrested my heart. That's so powerful. And so Ray, like you said on there, I can't help coming back. Ray's wife called this morning. Ray's having seizures today. And uh, he had some a few months ago for the first time. Hasn't been able to drive since that. They don't know what was causing them. And so we will... Um, try to follow through with that today and figure out what's going on with him but um, I just want you guys to pray for him as we leave today and uh, prayer team if you want to come up in case somebody wants special prayer today that would be awesome can we just pray together over Ray and then we'll transition to something else Lord we just lift up Ray Latte to you right now God Lord, you know him, and you love him, and he knows you, and he loves you. Lord, we thank you for his life. We thank you for his smile. We thank you for his tenderness and his love that many of us in this place have encountered. What a gift to the body of Christ. What a gift to this body in particular. What a gift to this pastor and his family. What a gift Ray Lati is. And so right now, I just, in the authority that you've given to us as believers, I just go to war against seizures right now. Seated in a place of authority, I just get to say, come and go to principalities and powers. So right now, I curse the spirit of infirmity. I curse anything that would cause Ray to have seizures. I command you to loose him and let him go. Release him in Jesus' name. Peace that passes all of understanding. Invade his heart and mind in Jesus' name. Undergird his wife right now. Give her peace and comfort in Jesus' name. Thank you for healing. Thank you for total restoration. Thank you for miracles that still happen. Thank you for healing that still flows. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We say seizures are illegal in Ray's body in Jesus' name. They're illegal. Guys, we live so short of the authority that we can walk in. We've got a gavel in our hand. We've got a gavel in our hand. I find you, I find you guilty of being there illegally. I find you guilty, guilty of being there illegally. We bind you, spirit of infirmity, and we cast you out. You are dismissed. You can leave. In Jesus name. Maybe today while we're here and there's a team up here ready to pray and agree with you. I know it's vision month and we've primarily talked about the vision of the church and it may seem impersonal. But I believe God speaks to hearts through his word no matter what the context is. And so today I believe that some of you in this room while we're talking, maybe while you've been watching videos, maybe while you've been looking at somebody else talking about finding their identity and finding their purpose and knowing who they are, maybe God's been speaking to you today. And you just want someone to pray with you that you would walk in that revelation of who you are, that you would no longer believe lies and you'd no longer believe misconceptions about who God is, but you want to know Him and you want to love Him and trust Him. So you want want the love of God to break through every stronghold right now just as we leave today it's not some big elaborate uh, coming down the aisle in front of everybody we're going to dismiss in just a moment and the prayer team is going to stay up here and while people leave you can just come down and pray if you'd like to so all of us collectively today lord we just bring all of who we are In this Love God day, this Love God expression of our vision, we bring all of who we are. Spirit, soul, and body. There's no reasonable sacrifice. It's our reasonable sacrifice. There's nothing less than bringing all of us. Would you shape our worth Would you tear down strongholds in our mind? Would you break through religion? Would you break through every thought that's contrary to your word? Every thought that says we're not good enough to approach you. Every thought that says you don't love us because we messed up. Every thought that says that somehow you're far removed and untouchable and unreachable. Would you come and destroy those mindsets today? Would you be honest and worship in spirit and in truth in your seat right now? And would you just whisper to him, God, I've believed lies about you. I'm tired of believing lies about you. I'm tired of believing these false things about you. I want to encounter your love. I want to experience who you really are and how you really feel about me. Today, I open myself up to your love. Flood my life with your love. In Jesus' name. Can you say, so be it today? If you want to pray while some are are leaving, we'll be up here in the front. Just come and find someone to agree with you in prayer today. We love you. Thank you for being here next week. Love people. We'll have life group signups next week. You don't want to miss.
0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.